Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Welcome to tonight's In Defense of Humanities talk show call. My name is Al Whitney, and I host the Anti-Corruption Society website and several others and co-host the weekly RBN Internet Radio Program with Ingrid Castle of Backlib.org, also called In Defense of Humanity, on Saturday nights. If you followed our calls, our weekly program, or my website, you are familiar with the facts regarding our corporate government. If you are not familiar with the fact that we do not have a sovereign government, but have a commercial corporate enterprise calling itself a government, you will find a piece describing how this came about on the Anti-Corruption Society homepage titled, quote, Our Government is Just Another Corporation, unquote, quite informative. Recently, we posted another description of our corporate government and our legal system titled, quote, Corporations cannot be sovereign governments, unquote. A link to this piece can be found at the bottom of the Lawfully Yours page on our website. A depiction of the transformation of our government over the past century can be, viewed, uh, can be viewed on YouTube. It is titled, USA Inc. Exposing the Thieves Who Stole Our Government. To see that, it's short, it's 10 minutes, all you have to do is go to YouTube and type USA Inc. exposing the thieves who stole our government in the box and it'll take you right to it. Last October, the Anti-Corruption Society released a guide for dealing with our corporate commercial government called Lawfully Yours. The Lawfully Yours page on the ACS website has just been reviewed, I'm sorry, has been reviewed 9,700 times since then. Today, we've just updated to the sixth edition of Lawfully Yours. Lawfully Yours contains many strategies for exposing the corporate government and holding it accountable to the law of contracts. So before opening up the call for questions, I'd like to read a couple of responses that people have received from their corporate government bodies when they've asked to see the contract that obligates them to the corporate statutes. Note, it is not wise to call or talk to any of those that work for the corporate government. Communicate with them in writing as much as possible. This includes municipal employees as well as school employees. For if you're challenging their non-existent authority, you can bet your boots they will be communicating with their attorney advisors. Unless you personally record phone conversations with corporate government employees, you cannot be sure you will be accurately quoted. The facts disclosed in the amazing YouTube called Don't Talk to the Police applies to each and every corporate government employee that faces a challenge from the public. That is a fabulous YouTube. Everyone needs to watch it. Everyone needs to share it. 
um, that was done by a law professor, and he cited the thousands of statutes that people don't even know about as a good reason never to talk to the police. But the same thing is true with corporate government employees because they have information you don't have, and it is likely to cover their cover themselves and make sure they don't get in trouble. They are very likely to misrepresent what you say or do. So do it all in writing. Well, we've had this, this manual out, as I said, since October, and some people have been actually using it. And um, we're getting feedback, and I have a wonderful story about a, an individual who challenged um, the renewal of their business license. And we're going to call the city Gotham City. So Gotham City sent this individual a little notice saying, um, our corporation wants you to renew your business license. And the individual who had read lawfully yours got out her pen and pencil, her paper and pen, and decided to ask the, the city representative um, to show them or tell her, show any evidence they had that she was obligated to abide by the rules of their city corporation. What contract or what document did they have with her signature on it? So she sent that letter saying, please let me know, thanks so much. What obligates me to do this? <clears throat> she got a letter back from the, the Gotham City people. The letter came back from an individual whose title was the Revenue Collection Administrator. And this is what the letter said. Dear Mrs. Smith, per your Freedom of Information request, enclosed is a copy of the business license application form that you submitted to Gotham City on February 1st, 2005. As you can see, it is signed by you. Just to be clear, the application form is not a contract. It establishes that you own taxable property in the city. The business license that was issued based on this application and renewed for nine subsequent years is a tax certificate showing that you paid the tax set forth in Section 110.65 of the city uh, of the Gotham City Corporate Municipal Code. This tax does not fall under the regulations of contract law. Please feel free to contact me if you have any further questions. Sincerely. Now, this is really revealing. This letter that she sent... That's why we need to get them in writing, because they are the ones that inform us in writing of their idea of what obligates us to them. And they actually give us, the, they give us, they give us what we need to respond, uh, which is wonderful. The first thing she is saying in this letter is that by filling out the form, it established that she owned taxable property in the city. She sent a copy of the form, and I've got it here. The, the individual who's working on this sent me a copy, and I looked at the copy of the form that was filled out in 2005 that was used to verify and validate that this individual owned taxable property in the city. Well, I'm looking at this form, and nowhere does it say that. It says business license and occupancy permit application. It doesn't say if you fill this out, 
you're admitting that you own taxable property in the city. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say, if you fill this out, you're going to have to pay us a fee. Nowhere on this form does it say that. It doesn't say you're going to have to fill this out every year. It doesn't say that either. So the individual who is challenging this, asking what did she sign to make her obligated, was given a form that does not make her obligated. Nothing on this form indicates any obligations. All they want to do is they want to ask the name of the business, the address, that's it, and they sign their name. There's a whole bunch of blanks here that aren't filled out. Then there's a whole bunch of information in the bottom that that the city filled out. But I hope people understand that this form does not tell you that it creates an obligation to pay a tax to this corporate city. So this form is not evidence that this individual actually agreed to pay a tax to this corporate city, nor is it evidence that she agreed to pay a tax every year or reapply every year to pay a tax. Uh, It's almost like we had to laugh when we looked at it, and it was like, oh, Uh, I'm going into the city to see if there's any taxes I can sign up for. I mean, this is the kind of craziness. The individual who filled this out was told to do business there. She had to fill this out. That was a verbal discussion that was had, but nowhere does the form that she filled out indicate any obligation to pay anything. So the woman smartly, and I'll call her Mrs. Smith, Mrs. Smith sent back another letter, and she thanked them. Thank you so much. Now, always be polite with these people. Thank you so much for giving me that information. But it's still, I don't see any evidence of an obligation that I have with my signature on it. Um, So I repeat, please send me evidence that I agreed to oblige myself to pay this tax to you. So in comes letter number two. Again, all kinds of good information for us. Dear Mrs. Smith, Again, this is from the Revenue Collection Administrator. Dear Mrs. Smith, regarding your letter of March 17th, the application that you signed says, Business License and Occupancy Permit Application. This is the only document that you signed. There is no signed contract. The obligation to pay tax is statutory, not contractual. To reiterate, that is what establishes your obligation to pay a yearly business tax. The IRS, Franchise Tax Board, and County Recorder's Office don't have you sign forms or contracts, nor do stores in which you pay sales tax, but the taxes are still due and payable. I apologize if you did not understand that what you were signing, if you did not understand what you were signing, but the taxes due whether you signed it or not. Please feel free to contact me if you have any further questions. Sincerely, Revenue Collection Administrator. So what she is saying is that there is a presumption going on here, and the presumption was that by filling this out, you owed money and you had to fill it out every year, and you agreed to pay a tax. Now, that's is not written any here on this. So the individual is going to send them back another letter, and here's the response that she's drafted. I I think it's already gone out in the mail. 
Um, dear revenue collector, <laughs> thank you for your information and your affirmation that we have no contractual obligation to pay the Gotham City Corporation a fee or a tax. The copy of the application you sent us did not indicate that we agreed to pay or owed the Gotham City Corporation statutory fees or taxes. It made no reference to money owed nor renewal obligations. We appreciate your efforts in clarifying this matter and helping us determine that we are under no obligation to send your corporation any money or fill out any additional forms. Now, their lawyers are not going to like that. But in reality, they have. This is a, a corporation, Gotham City Corporation. I have a corporation in my municipality. They have their own corporate charters. They're doing business. They do all kinds of business that I don't approve of. Okay? Um, if you go to their meetings... They polite you give, politely give you two or three minutes to make a public comment. They don't ask or answer any questions in public. Um, they don't answer to you. Basically, they don't work for you. Once you elect them onto city council, they are even told that they now are city employees. They don't work for the people. They work for the city. And that's the reality. So to think that we have a representative government is naive. All we have to do is send out some of these letters and you will find out, as this woman did, that this is all contractual. It's all business. They don't work for her. Um, and they want, they want to be able to pass any number of ordinances, regulations, fines, fees. Sadly, there's no limit on what they can do. In their little corporation, they take grants. Then they come up with a new scheme. Oh, we're going to charge everybody for, um, we'll charge them 100 bucks if they have more than one dog. Oh, let's charge them 200 bucks if they have more than one dog. Let's charge them a fine if they park on the street because they have a driveway. And they, we shouldn't let them park on the street, so we're going to start a new fine. See, we don't have any control over what they do. They can continue to fine us. They can continue to um, put all kinds of fees on us. And if we don't challenge them, people, there is no end. I see no indication that they'll ever stop. Now down the pike is coming this craziness, um, energy efficiency to combat global warming, where they want to do home inspections. A lot of municipalities are going to be uh, convinced if they take the grant, they'll get money if they will only pass a law getting everybody obligated to have a home inspection for energy efficiency. Now, they feel that they can do that, and there is a chance they will do that. I'm just warning people. They're not going to ask you if you agree with that. They're not going to ask you um, if you agree with the whole global warming thing. They're just going to tell you that we've, we now believe we have a right to come into your house, and in California... They're passing rules. In fact, they've passed rules that should they come into your house and it's not energy efficient, they are going to demand you do retrofitting. And if you don't have the money, they're going to insist you take a loan. So it's way overdue. Our, our challenging this non-existent authority is way overdue. And Lawfully Yours has a, a section in there 
on exactly letter of inquiry it's called. It's, in, it's sample number two. People can get that from Lawfully Yours on our website. Download the, um, download the guide and you can get the templates. There's a link to templates on the same page of Lawfully Yours. So you can just download the templates and put it in a Word doc, put it on your computer and type in your name, type in the name of the people you're asking and, and it politely asks them, please tell me, what obligates me to your corporate statutes? What contract do you have that I have signed that obligates me to your corporate statutes? It is time to challenge this. It's not going to get better. It is not going to get better. I guarantee you it's going to get worse. Now we have another case. This is a, a parent, and um, a, a, for some reason I didn't get the details. The child had missed four days of school. The child lives in California, and let's just say the child goes to Gotham City Schools. So the, apparently the parent was unaware that the state of California, effective October 19, 2010, amended their statutory laws to include something called 48262. Again, this is a corporate statute. And if you look that up, you can go um, and look it up, California Code. Type it in your search box. I did. I was absolutely aghast at what I saw. But California Code 48262. And you'll see what the legislature did in California in October 2010. They passed horrific rules regarding truancy. So this individual had received two letters about her child who is in seventh grade having been truant. I'm going to read you the second letter because it's a perfect example of how the corporate structure works. Remember, the state of California is a corporation, as is the school system. And in that piece that I mentioned earlier, um, let's see the name. We have a chart to, to prove that. Okay, I mentioned earlier the piece that we posted that's on Lawfully Yours on that, on that page at the bottom. The name of the piece is Corporations Cannot Be Sovereign Governments. When you read that, and I posted it in the box. Oh, I look at that. Oh, yes, there it is. I posted it in the box. On the last page of that is a chart demonstrating how the corporate structure and subcorporate structure kind of plays out. We've got examples from, from the United States all the way down to the school district. And we have in our state, our, our state statutes even say, uh, Ohio Revised Code, corporate powers of the Board of Education. And I'm going to quote what it says. Right now you can find it in the Ohio Revised Code number 3313.17. Quote, the Board of Education of each school district shall be a body politic and corporate and as such capable of suing and being sued, contracting and being contracted with, acquiring, holding, possessing, and disposing of real and personal property and taking and holding in trust for the use and benefit of such district any grant device of land, and any donation or bequest of money 
or other personal property. Unquote. Effective date, October 1st, 1953. 1953, October, is when the Uniform Commercial Code bomb dropped on the state of Ohio. There were like 18,000 statutes that passed in, at one time. And that was the official introduction of the UCC into my state, Ohio. So back to this parent in the truancy. I mean, I'm looking at this letter, and if you understand that you're dealing with a corporation and then you read this letter, it all makes sense because the letter is written to tier parent or guardian. Now, those are legal terms in their statutory system. That is not dear Mrs. Smith. That is dear parent or guardian. Then it goes on to say what the truancy laws are. Quote, on January 2nd, your child was declared a truant. Since that time, he, she, has been absent or tardy for more than 30 minutes from school on an additional three or more occasions without a valid excuse. Pursuant to Education Code 48261, once a student has been declared a truant, each absent or tardy of more than 30 minutes without a valid excuse will result in that student being reported as a truant. Under Education Code 48262, any pupil is deemed an habitual truant who has been reported as a truant three or more times per school year. Under the law, the only valid reason for a student's absence from school are illness, medical appointment, quarantine, <coughs> excuse me, funeral of an immediate family member, jury duty, or justifiable personal reasons requiring prior approval. If your child is absent again without a valid excuse, he or she will be declared a habitual truant. Further unexcused absences or tardies will result in the case being referred to the Gotham City School School Attendance Review Board for action. I certainly hope this will not be necessary. However, more drastic measures may be needed to uh, ensure your child's regular attendance and prevent his or her education from being seriously affected. Pursuant to Education Code 48262, you and your child are required to attend a conference with your school principal to discuss solutions to your child's attendance problems and explore alternative educational programs. Please watch for a letter from your child's school regarding a meeting, date, and time to discuss the attendance issue. Your assistance in this matter will be appreciated. Sincerely, so-and-so student filed. This individual works for the Office of Student and Family Engagement Support Services. Wow. Now there's another corporate office. So what she's doing is she's telling this mother, first of all, it's all legalese. It's a pupil. It's never a human. It's never... It's never a boy, it's never a son, it's never a daughter. It's all corporate, so it's a pupil, it's a parent, it's a guardian. These are all legal terms. They're all cited on the statutes, in the statutes, 
Again, the corporation cannot make rules for living flesh and blood only, only for corporate entities. So they speak corporate speak because that's all they can do is write rules for corporate entities. <clears throat> now, how they hold parents to these rules or they perceive they're holding parents to these rules is when the parent registers the child for school. At that moment, there is an agreement. Now, you could call it a contract. The problem is when the parent registers the child for school, the parent is not told all of the terms and conditions of that agreement. I guarantee the parent who wrote, who received this letter, whose child was in seventh grade, I can guarantee you this parent, in fact, I spoke with this parent, has no awareness of the the hideousness of Education Code 48262. I can guarantee you this parent did not agree with that term or condition. I can guarantee you the parent wasn't even aware. So anything the parent signed, this contract is null and void because the, the, the terms and conditions were not included. Um, so now this individual's got to write a letter back to this corporate structure to to make it clear that your corporate rules don't apply to me. This is going to be this is going to really challenge the school. They're not going to like it. They're going to bring in their lawyers. I know. Wine, wine, wine. So what? I mean, if you go look up to see what they want to do to a truant child and the family of a truant child, it'll make it'll give you a headache. It will give you a headache to think that those legislators would have passed such draconian measures. But when you understand that they get paid if the child's body is in the seat, they get paid per child per diem, and the more times the child's not there, they lose money. So their job is to scare and frighten the parent into ensuring that all those little tears are filled and all that money comes into their pocket. This is the corporate structure, and, and we're talking about this with vaccines. It's the same thing. The state corporation passes these statutes saying you've got to have your child vaccinated. Nobody's challenging it. Um, nobody's challenging them and saying, wait a minute, this is not a corporate, quote, child, unquote. This is a living flesh and blood son or daughter. That's why you will find the vaccination notice in lawfully yours makes the point, <laughs> again, challenging their authority. Um, we, we really have to challenge their authority. If you look at the piece that we just put up that I mentioned earlier, I'm going to read you just a little bit about it, and then we'll open up for questions. Um, okay, <clears throat> this is a piece we just posted called Corporations Cannot Be Sovereign Governments. Corporations. And and this seems to everybody seems to have a difficult time trying to to understand this and and that's because we've been under mind control our entire our entire life, really. A corporation is a fictional character or entity in law created by the government, which makes that fictional fictional character or entity the intellectual property of the government. Corporations can own any number of other corporations but can never own a flesh-and-blood human being. As corporations only exist on paper, they are both defined and bound by the law of contracts. More words on paper. 
In other words, corporations cannot nod their heads, shake hands, or utter any words of affirmation. All laws created under this parent corporation will essentially become corporate laws and regulations to govern the parent corporation and all subordinate or sub-corporations owned by the parent. These corporate laws and regulations are called statutes, and their effect and control over human beings is deceptively obtained by consent through civil contracts. Look up the word person in any modern law dictionary, and you will see that a person is regarded as a corporation and not a flesh-and-blood human being. These civil contracts are secured by and through several federal and state voluntary registration programs designed to convert and enslave flesh-and-blood American citizens of the republic into corporate property. These registration programs always involve government benefits as an inducement. However, nothing is for free. And when the state and federal government offers you anything for free, you can bet that upon your acceptance, there are ropes and chains about to be attached to your neck, hands, and ankles. Um, So that's what we're trying to fight now. We're trying to fight that presumption that you're a dead legal fiction that you are a corporate entity instead of a living flesh and blood man or woman who's the parent of living flesh and blood adorable sons and daughters. Um, Okay, Uh, why don't we open up the call and see if there's anybody who has any questions. I I have to look at the chat room to see if there's any questions in the chat room. Are there any questions? I think you're unmuted. Okay. Okay. Well, that's fine. Then let's go on and talk a little bit more about corporations cannot be sovereign governments. Legally, these civil contracts lack mutuality, meaning that all registrants must understand the true nature and intent of the contract and subsequently must knowingly accept or consent to the terms of the contract. Again, we're back to that that woman who registered her child for school um, and and agreed, probably didn't even sign a contract to agree to abide by all their rules, all their statutes, um, all their regulations. She certainly didn't agree to abide by the one on truancy. So whatever she signed, it lacked mutuality because she was not told that if her child didn't attend school or miss school for more to three more than three days, that there would be this punishment that would come upon her. So right away, she has a right to question that letter and that authority and that rule that they're trying to inflict on her on her merely because she was not made aware. Most parents aren't aware of all the rules that the state passes regarding schools. Uh, it, it would, it's probably a volumes, volumes over the years. Remember, in my state, it was in 1953 that they passed the first, the first group of UCC statutes in my state, and they've been passing them ever since. So 
so since then, I'm sure there's a lot that parents don't know when they register their children for school. And yet the school believes that they have the right and the authority to hold the parent to all of these rules and restrictions, which is complete and utter nonsense. Okay, reading on from Corporations Cannot Be Sovereign Governments, the government's subversive tactics perverts mutuality, as I just explained, and lawfully eliminates any and all contractual relationships as historically established by the International Law of Contracts, also known as the Uniform Commercial Code. So we've proven the Uniform Commercial Code is in place, and yet they, they are having people register and they're telling the people that they have to abide by these rules and regulations, and they're not even told what the rules and regulations are. It is way overdue that we challenge this stuff. Um, moving on. The federal government, the PAR, and the courts rely upon the maxim that, quote, ignorance of the law is no excuse, unquote, which is capable of being thrown back in their deceptive faces through literacy, which is what this expose is attempting to provide to you. When a person is arrested or sued for a statutory regulation, also known as criminal or civil law, he is actually being accused of violating a corporate regulation or corporate breach of contract, a civil contract that only exists over human beings by deception and fraud. There are no criminal laws in America. Rule 1 of the Federal Rules of Procedure used to specify this very fact. All laws are civil, which was later modified by the Judiciary Act to conceal this fact by creating one set of civil rules and one set of criminal rules. But this never changed the fact that there are no criminal laws in America. The Judiciary Act was necessary once common people began to represent themselves in court and uncover this and other frauds. These rules of procedure and rules of court were originally designed and adopted to reduce confusion in the courts and were intended only for lawyers. However, this is not to say that the courts will not try to enforce them against non-lawyers. And by the way, there's no legislation which prohibits a common man to practice law without a license. Um, this is real important because uh, I have already been told by one attorney that I should be careful. Um, somebody might accuse me of attempting to practice law without a license. However, I'm receiving no money, and I would be happy to show any attorney my license if the attorney shows me his. As it is right now, attorneys do not have licenses to practice law in any state in the country. They do. They are not licensed to practice law. What they have is a bar card, a union member bar card. The state does not, does not regulate what lawyers are taught or what lawyers learn. It's all a private union called the bar. And they're the ones who determine what the attorneys need to know and how they need to behave. And they are the ones that determine the qualifications for the judges and how our courts are run. So with this, these letters we're getting in, 
Um, we got another letter in, not a, a letter, it was just an inquiry, from a woman who had had her children under CPS, and she was quite frightened. And she had read Lawfully Yours and wanted to know how to proceed, and she sent me an email. And, my, and when I asked her if she still has an open case, she said, no, the case was closed um, two months ago. And I said, great. Now, read lawfully yours, so if they try to open another case, you will know how to, to block it. It becomes extremely difficult once they have the case open. It becomes very difficult to regain jurisdiction of the child. It's not impossible, but it, it's a lot easier if you don't give them the authority in the first place. Well, we put lawfully yours sixth edition out today. And it includes, it's a little bit updated. It's got more more meat, I think. Um, we've included a new appendix, Appendix E, on affidavits. We improved the, con- the table of contents a little bit. And we also added a list at the beginning. Depending on which edition people have, we have a list um, indicating which what was added to edition two, what was added to edition three, what was added to edition four, uh, so that if if anyone on the call has, has one of these editions and they want to know if they have to download a whole new edition and reprint it, um, it's not necessary. You can just look to see what we've added. Um, I believe um, we had a question in the box. Well, I guess we we don't have any questions tonight, which I guess is fine. Um, Maybe we'll try again next week, and if people get an opportunity to read Lawfully Yours, one thing we're finding out is a lot of people are afraid to challenge. Um, They're afraid to challenge the city. I talked to someone locally who the city decided he had to put a sidewalk in front of his house. He had to pay for it. The whole block did and it was going to be, I don't know, like $8,000. And they asked the people who lived on that block if they wanted to, to put in a sidewalk. They all voted. None of them wanted a sidewalk. Well, the city it must have gotten a grant because the city council had a rule in in their charter which allows them to override that, and they voted that they were going to force all the people who live on that street to pay this $8,000 to put in a sidewalk. And this individual, I don't know if he had the money or not, but he was very unhappy. And when I tried to talk to him about it, you know, his first instinct was he was going to check with a lawyer. And I said, the lawyer is going to tell you to abide by all these statutes. Um, Or else he might charge you a lot of money to try to fight it. But in reality, what you need to do is challenge their authority. And challenge their authority what did you sign? And I tried to get him to do this. I said, what did you sign that makes them believe that you agreed to pay anything they decide to charge you for any service, any improvement that you don't even agree with, don't even want, don't even sign up for? I mean, there's no obligation you have to pay for anything that just suits their fancy and they decide to pass it on to you. And he was still afraid. He was afraid 
Who's afraid to challenge the city? Uh, I see a question. Is anyone having a hard time on the call through your phone? I can't answer that. I don't know. I have unmute all, allow chat. So if there's a problem, I'm not aware of it. If anyone's having a problem, they want to type that into the box. Um, I'll try to see if I can fix it. But I don't see anything in the board indicating that there is a problem. Well, folks, um, if you don't have any additional questions, and I guess no one's uh, been able to get through, I, I'm sorry about that. I cannot figure out why not. Um, everything's unmuted. Allow the chat. Everything's open. It should be. You should be able to speak. Is there is there anyone who can speak on the call? Did you say hello if you can hear me? Well, we might be having a problem then here tonight. May need to call talk to you. Could not get on the call. Okay. I'm getting a message that there were people who wanted to get on the ta- call and could not. <clears throat> so I I will have to check into that for the next one. We will come back next week. We'll probably have more more people and more responses to these letters that are going out. Um Again, it, it means that you have to be bold because you're challenging their authority. It's time to be bold, people. I, I don't know what else to tell you. They're getting more parasitic. Um, they want to vaccinate everyone now. They want to they want to track your vaccinations on driver's license. It's getting worse and worse. This corporation feels it's got no limit to what it can do. And up till now, as long as we consent, as long as we don't show our dissent, um, the presumption is on their part that we're okay with it all. And that is how the system works. Telling your husband that you're mad and you don't agree the city should do something and, and you don't think they have the right to do that doesn't change a thing. You have, to, you have to tell the city, you have to put it in writing. You have to deny them consent. You, you have to do it in writing or it doesn't happen. A phone call does not count in their world. It has to be in writing. And if you look at lawfully yours, I think we make that point many, many, many times. You have to register your non-consent in writing. Or it doesn't register at all. It is presumed that you consent. That's the biggest obstacle the American people have to overcome now is understanding they don't have the kind of government they thought they had And from the position of those in charge, they perceive, because we haven't denied our consent, they perceive that we're okay with all of this. Uh, Unfortunately, um, that's tragic because I know how many people are not. But sadly, until we figure out that it's not real government, it's just a corporation, we just go to the polls and think things will change. And uh, most of us have discovered over our lifetime that, yes, things have changed. 
but actually what they've done is gotten worse. So we're gonna we're gonna call it a night uh, since we can't seem to hear any calls and people are having a hard time getting through. We'll try again next week. Again, go go if you if you would go to anticorruptionsociety.com and and the top tab, click on lawfully yours. You can download the the latest edition to lawfully yours at, at the bottom of the page, and you can also. Click on the, a link to the article, Corporations Cannot Be Sovereign Governments, which we just posted up today. Well, I hope everyone has a good evening, and we'll try again, and maybe we can work out the bugs next week. And good luck, and, and don't forget, always challenge, always challenge, always challenge. This corporate government does not have the authority to be abusing living flesh and blood men, women, and children. Good night. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.